Hello, what you're about to hear is the very last Ask the Garden Geek radio show, not the last podcast, but I wanted to share with you the very last broadcast that we did. I hope that you find it fun. I found it interesting, somewhat emotional, but it is the last one. We don't talk about gardening. I talk about the history of the show, a little bit about myself, and I say goodbye. So enjoy, and, uh, you know, let's just continue with the Ask the Garden Geek podcast every Thursday, right wherever you pick up your podcast. man. Okay. Welcome to the last edition of Ask the Garden Geek. Or is it the last edition? Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm Michael Kroos. Or is it the last edition of, I'm trying to think, well, oh, the show started off as Gardening America. Yeah, 35 years ago, the name of the show was Gardening America. There, You might notice that there's another show floating around this radio network with that same name. I wonder where they got that. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, and then, gosh, this is so weird. Um, it then became not by my choice, mind you, not by my choice. It became the American Lawn and Garden Report with Michael Kroos. What a dumb name. Oh, well, anyway, and then let's see, what was it after that? Um, it, 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 there was another name after... After that, oh, that's when I went to, and that's because the radio network I worked for I hired this big time consultant, and uh, they said, "Yeah," and the show changed to Home and Garden Radio, and right about that time, right about that time, I bought. Oh, did you notice I didn't play the opening music? That's okay. I, I got a lot of lots to say, a little bit of time, so let, let's just get this all done. Right about that time, I bought the domain, homeandgardenradio.com. I bought that domain, okay, from GoDaddy. I'm opening up my Diet Coke. How professional is that on the radio? That was the last time I'm on the radio. Uh, and uh, taking a swig. Mm, good stuff. Lots of caffeine. Anyway, and then... After that, years after that, uh, I, I went, I was working for the network I'm with now, okay, and um, I changed it. And you know what? I didn't even tell them I was doing it. I didn't even tell them I was doing it. I changed the name of the show to Ask the Garden Geek. How's that? I went from Home and Garden Radio to Ask the Garden Geek. And I didn't even tell management at, at Biz Talk Radio that I was doing that. You know why? I didn't know who they were. Yeah, I, I used to know who they were, uh, but, you know, more about that as we go. But I didn't know who these people were. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And they kept changing. So, uh, but anyway, uh, that's, this is the last show. After 35 years of doing radio, this show ends this week, and I'm sure that you're wondering why, and I'm going to tell you why. 
And, and by the way, I'm not sad. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited. But, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm good with this. But before I tell you why, perhaps I should just give you a little bit of history of me and nationally syndicated radio. And, and I need to, and you know what I was going to do with this show? I was going to have a bunch of people that I worked with on as guests. And I've had, you know, I've had a rough week. I've, I've had a stressful, stressful week. You know, life happens every damn day. And uh, I had someone who is very close to me get sick. And uh, I am, uh, and I'll even tell you who it is. Uh, my second wife, Diane, uh, has breast cancer. And uh, I'm sure she's going to be thrilled that I'm telling you this, but she knows that I keep very few things from you people. By the way, she's ex-wife number two of three and my favorite of ex-wives and my closest ally. She lives less than a mile from me. She's here most of the time in the studio where I'm sitting right now. She runs an eBay business and, um, you know, we're together all the time. We're not romantically involved, but we love each other dearly. She has keys to my house. She has the combination to my safe. She has access to my bank accounts and I trust her with everything. And she was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, it's an interesting journey, and she's the bravest woman I have ever met, and uh, she's just incredible about, about this. And, uh, you know, and she's, she is referring to this as her journey. And, and just to fill you in on, on that so you know, uh, we went to the oncologist, and uh, she had surgery. She had a lumpectomy done. And uh, that all turned out rather well, I guess. And uh, they had, she had lymph nodes removed at the same time. And they tested all the lymph nodes. And there was no cancer in the lymph nodes, which was very, very, very good. And so the oncologist, who was a brilliant woman, said, you got a 10% chance of this coming back in five years if you just do radiation and no chemotherapy. And then she said but you got a 2.5% chance of this coming back if you do chemotherapy with radiation. And, uh, you know, Diana's, she's such a damn trooper, I swear to God. She said, how many chemotherapies? They said there will be four rounds, four rounds. She said, let's just do it. You're going to lose your hair. She said, I don't care. Just let's, let's do it. And I said, I'm with you all the way. You're, you know, and I have been with her the entire way. And, and yesterday... Uh, was day one, very first chemotherapy treatment. And I sat across from her all day while this all went on. And that means we've got three more. So I, you know, it's been a busy week and I decided I'm not going to have guests on, but I am going to talk about some people. And uh, I'm going to talk about people who have helped me out in this business and, and have been support for me and been friends and mentors for me, and and we will talk about that. This this journey started thirty seven years ago, when my friend Stan DeFritis, who did a local gardening show called Ask Mister Green Thumb on WPLP Radio in Pinellas Park, Florida, he had a very popular Saturday gardening show, a two hour gardening show. And he decided that he wanted to take some time off. He wanted to take a weekend off because uh, he, he wanted to go camping with his family. And he said, hey, you want to do this? I said, sure, why not? So he's the first person I want to thank. 
Second person I want to thank was his boss, a guy by the name of Art Deneen, who was very skeptical, very, very skeptical. You done radio before, kid? You know, and you know, you know, not. You know. And so he says, "I'm going to take you in and introduce you to a real talk show host who's going to show you how to do this." And that is when he took me into the studio while a wonderful super talk show host by the name of David Fowler was doing his show. And Artinine went in and said to David Fowler, "This is Michael, and I want you to teach him how to." operate things here because he's filling in for DeFritis this Saturday. And then let me know if he's worth a crap. I said, oh man. And uh, I will tell you, David Fowler is the next person I want to thank. He looked at me and he gave me a dirty look and he said something that I cannot repeat on the air to me right in front of Art Deneen. And while well, he had the microphone shut off, if he had the microphone shut up, turned on, it would have been really bad. But anyway, Art Deneen walks out of the studio and then he got this big smile on his face. He goes, I just like to bust that guy's chops. He didn't say chops. And uh, I said, hey, you know, okay. And he, I sat down and David Fowler, who was just a super popular talk show host, sat me down, showed me how to do the stuff I needed to do in there. And then he said, all right, you're starting a journey into talk radio. He said, let me tell you something that you need to know. I said, what's that? Never trust management. They're all evil. And always say bad things about them when you're on the air. And I said, oh. And then he says, and furthermore, he said, be really good to your callers. And that's one thing I noticed about David is he was always really good to his callers. He said, of course, unless, of course, they make you mad. Then go after them and attack them. I said, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I've, I've done that a few times, but not very often. But, you know, a few people have really made me mad over the years. So David Fowler was the third, first, you know, the, the next person that I thank. And uh, after doing Stan's show now and then, a guy by the name, uh, you know, a guy over in Tampa, a talk show host, had gotten a job with a new radio network called the Sun Radio Network, and he was he was the program director, and uh, you know, and, and you know, he called me up, and he and the way you know he had a hard time finding me. He called up Stan and asked Stan how to get a hold of me. And Stan said, I have no idea how to get a hold of him, which was a lie. Uh, and he goes, but I do a talk show. You know, you know, you could. Yeah. And he said, no, I want to talk to Michael. So then he called Art Deneen. Okay, by the way, this guy's name was Jack Ellery. He's the next person I want to thank. He is the next person that I want to thank. Jack Ellery said, I've heard you on the radio. I want you to come over here and do a nationally syndicated gardening show. You're going to be working for the guy that owns the network, and you know who this guy is because he's been doing a local talk show host in this market for years. His name is Chuck Harder. Oh, my God. Chuck Harder was like radio nirvana. He was like the best. He goes, I'm going to take you out, and you can meet Chuck Harder. And by the way, Chuck Harder was running this business out of a house on Hillsborough Avenue that had a swimming pool, and out back that was a garage. And in the garage is where the studio was. And in the house was where all the offices were. So he takes me out by the pool and introduces me to Chuck Harder, who was just super. Next one I want to thank. All right. When we come back, I'll tell you who else I want to thank.
And so we continue here on the very last Ask the Garden Geek radio show. And, and I should just pop in here right now and say Ask the Garden Geek is not over. It, for the last couple of months, has also been a podcast. And uh, the podcast is, I'm just going to be honest, has been two sections of this show that I wave together and, you know, stick it up as a podcast. And it's available wherever podcasts are heard. Uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, you know, all of them, all of them. Anchor Podcast, it's everywhere. Just look for Ask the Garden Geek and you will find me. You're, you're going to find another one that's connected with BizTalk Radio Network. That's not me anymore. But you will find my podcast and it has a colorful, it doesn't have a picture of me on the cover. It has a colorful picture that says Ask the Garden Geek. Anyway, more people that I have to thank about my career and a little bit of history of the career. So I met Chuck Carter, who is larger than life and just the nicest guy in the world. He said, oh, I want to introduce, he goes, you know, you're going to be doing a show here on Saturdays. I said, yeah. He goes, you're going national, kid. I said, oh, wonderful. You know, he goes, now I'm, I want you to meet, uh, you know, the the guy who runs things around here. His, he, you know, he, you met our program director, Jack Ellery. And I said, yeah. And uh, he says, all right. And he introduced me into the next one to a guy by the name of Keith Leach. And uh, he was the general manager. Mr. Leach did not like me. I'm just going to come right out and say it. He did not like me, but I loved him. But I annoyed the bejeejees out of him. You have to understand where technology was in those days, okay? You have to understand this. And, and the way technology was, before all of this happened, there were some big radio networks. There was NBC Radio Network, CBS Radio Network, ABC Radio Network, uh, you know, a couple of radio networks and out there. But they controlled everything, and they were delivered by via microwave in between. It was a very complicated way to get radio shows, national radio shows, delivered across the country. It was expensive and very complicated. And then sometime in the 80s, we had all of these satellites floating around out there that they were using for television. And Chuck Carter, who is an absolute genius, got together with some technical people that he knew. And the first thing he did is he got into the satellite dish business. You know, he was a radio show. He worked at WFLA. He had a very popular radio show in Tampa. But then he said, oh, we can get these satellite dishes and we can plug them in and we can watch, you know, all the stuff on cable for free. Isn't that cool? So he opened up a business in that very location on Hillsborough Avenue doing that. Well, then the more he learned about satellites, he said, I can rent time on these, on these satellites that are up there. And I, you know, and he negotiated a very good deal on C-band satellite and and uh, next thing you know, he started the Sun Radio Network, and he moved his show from WFLA over to the Sun Radio Network, which was located in that very building. Uh, the computers that were used at the Sun Radio Network were TRS-80 computers from Radio Shack. And Mr. Leach was very smart. He networked a bunch of them together and ran... A, an entire radio network on a computer system that wasn't much stronger than a Commodore 64. But he did it. You know, Mr. Leach did this. And, and Mr. Leach had something in his office that, you know, and understand this is in the 80s, that I, I knew existed, but I had never seen one. And it was a fax machine. 
And I, I remember going into his office, and I would just go in there and irritate him. And I'd say, that's a fax machine. Yeah. He says, yeah, we, we use it here for business. I said, so that means as, as we're sitting here, that thing could like light up and a letter could come to you from someone and I, an exact duplicate of any, yeah, I was fascinated with that. I said, I'm just going to sit here. You know, he's sitting there chain smoking. He says, I'm just going to, I said, I'm just going to sit here until a fax comes through. He goes, no, you have to leave. I said, no, I got to stay here. I got, I, you know, I'm, I'm dying to learn about technology. And he's just like, and then I'm saying, how's the wife? How's the kid? You know, all of this. I'm just talking to him. And he is becoming very irritated with me. So he gets on the phone and he calls his wife at home. And I guess they had a fax machine at home. How cool is that? They had a fax machine at home. And she said, and, and, and he whispered to her. And the next thing you know, a few minutes later, the fax machine thingy lights up. And I go, oh, here comes a fax. And the facts come out and said, Michael Kroos, get the hell out of Keith's office. <laughs> and that's what it said. I said, you got me, boss. He goes, yeah, and he laughed. We were like best of friends after that. He was my biggest defender and biggest advocate. And we became, you know, he was just like the coolest guy in the world after that. So Chuck built this network. Chuck and Keith built this network that was all of a sudden taking off. Now, when I started, I was, uh, he says, yo, you're going to start off on 20 stations. I said, wow, I was only been on one station at a time before this, and I'm going to be on 20. Well, I you know, later found out that the stations were so small that I have more listeners in my backyard when there's birds on the trees. But anyway, started off, it, but it grew like crazy. I mean, you just wouldn't believe how quickly this grew and grew and grew, and I was there for all of that. And Chuck and Keith, they were running this thing, and they, it, it was just, you would not believe the amount of work that went into growing this business and, and just doing well. And I got to tell you something, it was just too much for Chuck. It really was. And Chuck had his For the People radio show going, which is where his passion was. His passion was helping people. And if you ever knew Chuck or his wife, you know, you would know that that was their passion. That's what they wanted to do is help people and running a radio network with a bunch of employees and a crazy garden guy and all of these things, you know, and, and rambling with Ramsey and who, who did the travel show, all of, all of us people, he said, this is too much for me. And he sold it to a company called Caleb Broadcasting out of Minnesota. And he said, I'm just going to run my radio show and Caleb's going to come in here and they're going to take over and everything's going to be great. Right about that time, as that whole transition was happening, uh, there was a guy who had a radio show in New York uh, named Sonny Block, who had a very who I used to listen to when I would go to New York. I would listen to Sonny Block. He had a a real estate investment radio show that was extremely popular. And I was finishing up my show on a Saturday. And Sonny Block blew into the studio with his two producers and all of his technical people, and he was doing his show that was syndicated nationally before on WOR's syndicate. He was now syndicating it with the Sun Radio Network, and he just blew in and just took over everything. And you know, we all were like almost escorted out of the building, but I just sat there and watched and, and watched, and he was fabulous. And I knew that there was great growth. But right about that time, right about that time, Caleb Broadcasting took over. Mr. Leach was gone. Chuck was doing his show. 
And as a matter of fact, you know, Chuck moved uh, to the middle of the state on, on the coast uh, to an island and started doing the show from his house up there immediately. He wasn't even in Tampa anymore. He moved up there. And these people came in and they were very strange. They were very strange. More on that in a moment. Okay, so I got to power through this now and and continue to tell you about my career in radio. Oh yeah, I'm Michael Kroos. This is Ask the Garden Geek, and I was telling about where I was. And here we continue. Kayla Broadcasting had bought out the Sun Radio Network, and they sent a guy by the name of Larry. I forget his last name. And Larry came down, and he was the general manager, and he was he was a broadcaster. Uh, or so he said, uh, but he was a very nice guy. I, I liked him right away. He was in Keith's office. And the one thing he did not understand is that every afternoon at four o'clock in Florida, it rains. So, you know, the power would go out, except out in the studio, which was backed up with car batteries, believe it or not. Uh, but the office would, you know, next thing you know, we're moving into a brand new studio over in St. Petersburg, brand new, big facility in, in St. Petersburg. And, you know, this Caleb Broadcasting is pouring all kinds, I mean, just just hundreds of thousands of dollars into the operation. You would not believe what they built over there. And we were growing like crazy. Along that time, a guy by the name of Bill Wardino was hired to be Larry, and Larry's last name was Wyman, by the way, Larry Wyman's assistant. The next thing you know, Larry Wyman uh, was dismissed, and Bill Wardino became the general manager of the network, or he actually became the president of the network, or executive vice president. He was the big shot. He was the big kahuna. And I got along with him wonderfully, absolutely wonderfully. So I have to thank him. Right about that time, they hired a guy by the name of Wyatt Cox, and Wyatt Cox was kind of a do-everything kind of guy. And I worked with Wyatt, and as it turns out, I would work for Wyatt for a long time, including right now. I'm still working with Wyatt uh, in, in kind of a convoluted way. But I'm still working with Wyatt. But this was a long, long, long time ago. And But the other thing that happened is Chuck got dismissed. They replaced Chuck with a terrible, terrible, in my opinion, talk show host by the name of Tom Donahue, who was awful. And that's when I, I noticed strange things happening at this network. They hired another guy by the name of Tom Valentine, who did afternoons, and he was ultra right wing uh, to the point of being just too right wing. You you can be too right wing, and he was too right wing. He was bizarre. And then the next thing you know, there was a show that was on the weekends uh, out of Washington, D.C. that was also that way. And then Wardino told us, that the network was owned by a guy by the name of Willis Carto, who owned the Spotlight newspaper out of Washington, D.C., which was an extreme right-wing, uh, to you know, Holocaust-denying, just, you know, terrible, in my opinion, terrible, terrible people. 
And I met Will's cartoon, flew into town, met him, and he liked me. I didn't like him. He liked me. And I said to him one day, you know, while I was there, he's asking me all these gardening questions. I said, you don't really believe that the Holocaust didn't happen, did you? He said, well, of course I believe that. It's the foundation. And I said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Well, long about that time, Chuck Carter started a new network uh, in, in Cedar Key, Florida called the People's Radio Network. And not long after getting that started, he moved it up to White Springs, Florida, into the beautiful and historic Telford Hotel. The next thing you know, I was offered to take my show up to the Telford, and I did. And the next thing you know, I'm back with all the people that I love. I, I, you know, I was right at home with Chuck Carter and all of the people up there. I met a guy by the name of Mike Azell there, who I also want to thank because he was very helpful to me. Very, very, very helpful to me. By the way, when I, when I left the Sun Radio Network, Wardino and I, Mr. Wardino and I left on very, very good terms. I, he helped me immensely. He hired all kinds of consultants, all kinds of, you know, people to help me. He was, he was that wonderful. And when I left, he understood why I left and we remain friends. As a matter of fact, we remain friends to this day. He's re- retired and living down in, you know, in South Florida. But, um, you know, Chuck built the People's Radio Network at the Telford Hotel into a giant network. And then he kind of, you know, repeated what he did before, which I, to this day, do not understand why. But he, um, he sold the network to the UAW. And they came in and changed the name of the network. I think it changed a couple of times. And guess what the first thing they did was? They fired Chuck. Yeah. And I worked with people up there that I didn't like. And it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And I was doing fill-in work for Chuck after they canned him. I was filling in for him. I was filling in for Joel Vincent, who was also up there. And, uh, you know, there was a bunch of really good talk show hosts up there. And I was all over the place doing talk radio up there with people from the UAW that I I didn't like. Uh, And this went on and went on. And the next thing you know, I find out that Chuck is starting a new network called PRN right there in White Springs. And, and, And by the way, Chuck had and his wife, Diane, again, wonderful people. I would go up to the Telford. They built a studio in my house so I could do the show from home. But I would, I would go up to the Telford and I would have dinner with them at the Telford. Lots of people had dinner at the Telford. And I used to make jokes about the place on my Saturday gardening show, uh, you know, because Chuck had this beautiful studio in the lobby that he had bulletproof glass on. Believe it or not, he had bulletproof glass in there. And I found out later after I went on the air and said he had bulletproof glass, uh, that that was supposed to be a secret, but I, I let that out on the air. And Diane, his wife, was not happy with me. And I would say, you know, because Chuck would say, you know, broadcasting live from the beautiful Telford in our studio, right? And people from all over the world would come to the lobby to watch Chuck do his show. And my studio, where I worked up there, was in the back of the presidential dining room behind the bar that was formerly at Six Gun Territory, adjacent to the walk-in cooler. So I would say broadcasting live from a small room in the back of the presidential dining room at the Telford Hotel, adjacent to the walk-in cooler, 
uh, behind the double bulletproof glass because I had to up, you know, Chuck. Chuck thought it was hysterical. Diane was not impressed. Uh, and I, you know, and I'd say behind the double bulletproof glass, I am Michael Cross. On the other side of the double bulletproof glass is, uh, you know, my producer. And I had different producers and I gave them all names. But one of them was a guy by the name of Jedediah Harrison, who later changed his name to Jay Harrison. And, uh, and, and he was 19 and he was a genius. But, you know, what happened then? You know, they, they, the UAW fired Chuck. And the next thing I know, I hear Chuck is starting a new network called PRN down the street from the historic Telford Hotel in a building that I was never supposed to identify. Okay, he owned this building, but he didn't want anyone to know where it was. So I would go on the air and, you know, because I, I moved my show to there. You know, I still had my studio at home. He just, you know, I did the hookup from there to there. And I'd say, you know, broadcasting from a nondescript secret building in White Springs. And Diane hated that. But, you know, Chuck thought it was funny. And it, Diane didn't hate it. Diane was wonderful. You know, they were just both so wonderful. Diane's mother had a, had a lived at the Telford. And when he sold out, she had a life, uh, what do they call it? A life estate to keep her place at the Telford. God bless her. They found a way to throw her out later. But, you know, God, you know, Diane's mother was so nice. And, but I, I was at home again with, with Chuck there. And Chuck was worn out. I just got to tell you, Chuck was worn out. And the next thing you know, Chuck closed down that network. I, I, by the way, I did the first live show on PRN, and I did the last live show on PRN. And Chuck continued his show on another network called Talk America. And the very week that I left, I got a phone call from a, a gentleman who uh, was the program or general manager of the Business Talk Radio Network out of, uh, out of Stanford, Connecticut. And he said, I understand that you don't have a gardening show anymore. I said, well, they're still airing my shows, but yeah, they're, they're going to close the network down in another week. He goes, well, why don't you bring your show to our network? I understand you've got an ISDN studio at home. I said, yeah, well, we'll just hook up to you there. And I, the next thing you know, I'm broadcasting with the Business Talk Radio Network, who, by the way, was filled with all kinds of really cool and wonderful and professional people. And uh, my boss up there was a guy by the name of John Iannuzzi, and who is the production director. And, and you know, I had wonderful board operators. They were just the coolest people in the world to work with. They were wonderful. And I, that's been 15 years. Then because of some legal problems with the owner of the network, who also was a wonderful man, they sold out to an outfit in Texas who were television people, not radio people. And the bottom line is because of the way satellites are changing, they could no longer afford to be on the satellite. And they said, if you want to keep your show, you got to pay me $2,000 a month. That didn't work. So a lot of the shows have ended, including mine. And that's fine. You know, this week is the end of a lot of the shows on there, and I'm not even sure that the network's going to survive. I hope they do. God bless them. But I'm off to podcasting. So now as I wrap up the last segment of the last radio show, I think it's 
what I want to do, and I've been requested to do this, is to tell you a story that I last told you, not on the radio show, believe it or not, but actually on a podcast in 2004 before there were podcasts, if, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, I was doing the gardening show, but I also, ever so once in a while, had something else to say. So I had a podcast that no longer exists called Michael Crow's Talks. And one day, uh, after Thanksgiving, you know, after we'd had our meal, I went and sat in my studio at home, and I recorded this story that I had first heard on Thanksgiving sometime in the mid-70s by a guy by the name of John Eastman who told this story. It's a story of love. It's a story of loss. It's a story of, of exploration. It's a story about a five-bladed, silver-plated Boy Scout knife with a handle. Our story begins some years ago in New Orleans when a young man by the name of Robert was a traveling salesman. He actually sold something called Fenortners. Don't ask what they are, uh, but he sold them. By the way, if you're an old listener, you know what they are. But he sold Fenortners, and he traveled throughout the South, and he made a stop in New Orleans, and he was in a bar one night after making his sales calls, and he runs into a woman at the bar who's older than him, quite a bit older than him, but she was beautiful. She was absolutely stunning, and her name was Dawn. And they sat together, and they drank together, and she took him home to her beautiful home in New Orleans where they spent a loving night. And it got to where every time he was back in town, he was at that bar, and he was with Dawn, and they would wind up back at her house. And then one month in November, he shows up, and there's Dawn, and they have their romantic evening, and then she said... I want to tell you something, Robert. And he said, well, what's that? He goes, we're done. Our relationship is now over. And, and he was crushed. He was so in love. He goes, but, but, but. He goes, no, don't even ask, but it's over. And he goes, but what can I do? What can I do? And she said, there's nothing you can do. We are through. She goes, I want to do something for you to remember me by. And she said, all right, Robert, there is one thing that you can do. You can get me something. She goes, whatever. I make good money. I'll, I'll get you whatever you want. He's thinking a car. A, you know. And she said, I want a five-bladed, silver-plated Boy Scout knife with a handle. What? That's what I want. You asked. I, I told you. If you don't want to get it, that's fine. But we're done. Leave my house. So he left, and he had no idea where to get a five-bladed, silver-plated Boy Scout knife with a handle. And, and this was before there was an internet. So he looked around, and he, sure enough, he finally found one in another town, and he had it shipped to her. He was so devastated. He came back to New Orleans uh, a few months later. He, he, didn't, he couldn't even go back during the holidays. He just stayed away, and finally in February, he came back to New Orleans, and he went back to that bar. He wasn't going to, but he went back to that bar. She wasn't there. And the memories of her and at that bar... And he, he sat at the bar, and he was literally in, in tears. And he looked down the bar a little ways, and he saw another young man about his age, and he seemed very upset. And he went down and scooted next to him, and he says, Hi, my name is Robert. Oh, my name is Glenn. Because you seem sad. What's your, what's your story? And the guy, Glenn, said, You know, I was in love. 
And Robert's, yeah, me too. And she goes, I was in love with an older woman. And, you know, yeah, yeah me too. And he goes, and now it's over. She broke up with me. She said, I'm done. And he said, yeah, that happened to me too. It is terrible. He goes, yeah. But the weird thing is that she had this request. She had this very special request. And he said, well, what's that? She goes, he wanted, she wanted a five-bladed, silver-plated Boy Scout knife with a handle. And Robert says, wait a minute, that's Dawn. And the guy, yes, that's Dawn. And he's same with me. You know, what did, what did she want with this? And they sat there and they got a little bit tipsy and they wanted to know. So they hopped in a cab and they went to Dawn's house and they got out of the car and they walked up the stairs to this beautiful New Orleans home and with beautiful light fixtures, beautiful double front door. And they knocked on the door. And a few minutes later, Dawn opens the door and she sees both of them and she's in shock. She's just absolutely in shock. And she said, what do you want? She goes, it's all right. It's all right. We just want to talk to you and we will leave, but we have a question and we're going to leave. She said, okay, come in. And and both of the guys walked in, Glenn and, and Robert, they walked in and they looked at this beautiful open living room and this beautiful spiral staircase that led up to the bedroom where both of them had spent many a night and both of them just had all of these memories. They're looking at the classic paintings that she had on the wall. They're looking at all of these beautiful things and both of them are getting choked up because both of them had such wonderful memories. I mean, they were both so in love and she had cast them both off and, you know, they they were confused and they were, they were just beyond themselves. And she said, what, you know, what do you want to know? She goes, what about the five-bladed, silver-bladed Boy Scout knife with a handle? She said, guys, come with me. So they walked up that staircase into the bedroom where both of them had spent many a lovely night. And she walked over to the dresser. She said, boys, you know me. She goes, yes, and you know how much I love loving. And they both said, yes, yeah, we know, we know. She says, well, you know... I'm getting older. Soon, my face is going to sag a little bit. My neck is going to sag. My breasts are going to fall. And it's not going to be pretty. And they said, but, 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 no, no. It's a fact of life. I know it. You know it. And, you know, I just know that this is the truth. And yeah, yeah, but what about the five-bladed, silver-bladed Boy Scout knife with a handle? She opens up the drawer the bottom drawer of the dresser, and it is absolutely filled with five-bladed, silver-plated Boy Scout knives with a handle. And they looked at each other, and they looked at her, and they said, Dawn, what's going on? She said, boys, you know that when my looks are gone, I'm still going to love loving. Yes? Do you have any idea what a young man will do for a five-bladed, silver-plated Boy Scout knife? With a handle? Hey, 35 years, it's been a real hoot. I love you all very much. The podcast continues at Ask the Garden Geek. Bye-bye, everybody.